Welcome to the Sooner Catholic Podcast. This week is another week of the podcast where it's me, Alex Sanchez, the host with the co-host. Still me, Trevor Brecker. <laughs> I gotta figure out a different way to introduce us because it's the same every week. What if, what if we did like a some kind of thing where we it was a joke? And yeah, we changed yeah. It, we oh, like my name is Alex. I like cereal. No, no, no. We're not freestyling. That part's coming. Well, it wasn't a freestyle. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was just a normal as a sentence. We'll think on it. If, right. you, if you have a suggestion, send it in. Uh, if you have our number, if not, we don't have any kind of platform, so don't send it in. We, got <laughs> <laughs> we have no email, no Instagram. You just have our, our direct line or just call St. Thomas More at the generic number and ask for Alex. Um, okay, so so here's, here's where we jump in, okay? Last night's talk was on suffering. So what we're going to do is just highlight some of the things that we remember from the talk. And when I say we, I mean Trevor, because I was not able to make it. Um, and so these are this is real-time thoughts, reflections that are coming up. Um, but Trevor, would you give us a little little highlight before we do our freestyle of what happened last night? That's what I was about to ask. I was like, did you forget the freestyle? Never but, forget the freestyle. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about the talk on suffering, make them suffer, and then reflect on suffering. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay, so last night we had our very own Julian Rodriguez, one of our um, senior students here. Um, great man and great... An example of faith, and he shared on finding meaning in suffering. So essentially, how do we come to terms with what suffering is and how do we interact with it in the Christian faith? So a couple things. I, I was taking notes last night, um, and a couple things that really stood out that I think are worth kind of following the, the talk briefly was the first point that he was saying, yeah, he, he made a distinction between God's permissive and active will. So he was basically like, yeah, suffering is, is a part of his permissive will. Um, there's his active will and things that he, he he causes permissive and things that he by his being God and all powerful like still has a part in but he allows, but, but he allows it right because it's like it's a part of um, the mystery of divine providence in, in accordance with our free will and our choices mm-hmm. and how that affects yes. different things. So he talked on that very briefly. Um, <clears throat> then he talked about how the experience of suffering. So that when we suffer, we often ask why. That's like our first response. It's the response of Job. It's the response of many. Um, and that he pointed out that Jesus took on suffering in, in himself. God, God entered into our misery. Um, and he says, one thing he said that I, I really want to emphasize and, and kind of, again, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in a little bit. But about that Jesus wants to take, not take our suffering away, but he wants to redeem and transform it. So make it where suffering without Christ has no meaning. It's just kind of like a, a question that has no answer. But suffering in Christ actually has a redemptive and, and quality in which we get to love God, and God actually purifies us. Um, so he talked about that. He quoted a little bit from JP2's um, pastoral letter called Salvici Dolores, something like that, which is just, sure. it just translates on redemptive suffering. So JP2 wrote an encyclical on redemptive suffering, quoted from that. And then kind of in conclusion, he told some different stories from his life and suffering, and wanted to really emphasize that our suffering has meaning and that, um, yeah, if we if we unite it to Christ, like it, it can bring us even more into the life of, of the saint. And he quoted a lot from different okay. saints and suffering. And so that's, that's the recap. Okay. So suffering can bring us closer to the Lord. We can invite him into it. He wants to redeem, transform it. He allows suffering, doesn't inflict it, of course, and then works things out for our good, often through suffering when we invite him into it. Yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah. And when we come back, we can kind of dig into certain okay. parts of these. All right, bit, all right. But just let that sit for a little bit in your hearts and your minds, but also keep your hearts and minds open for what's about to happen next. Now we move into the freestyle portion of our podcast. <clears throat> Should we stop doing this? We've never asked that question for a second. Here we go. What's the theme? Here's the th- Ooh, the theme. The theme is how nice the weather is. Okay. Okay. Uh. The weather is super nice. The falls. <laughs> All right. Take two. Take two. Take two. Hey. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The. <laughs> There's coffin. There's coffin on this track. What just happened? <laughs> okay. Here we go. That was ridiculous. Okay. Go. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. So. The weather is super nice. When the leaves fall, they fall quietly. Like a mice. Mice. Mouse. I didn't know where I was going. It's such a big house. God's mansion. <laughs> Been a while since I freestyled, everybody. I gotta, I, I gotta practice. There's that cough again. Alright. I'm done. I'm finished. Trevor, what do you got? You know we're walking outside feeling the weather. And now, like, Alex, you want to go with Trevor? Take a nice stroll. Feel that nice breeze. And I'm like, man, this type of weather give ease to the soul. Make me feel clean. Makes me think about the places I've been. Cold or hot, doesn't matter. As long as you... I don't know. That's too good. That's too good. That mid-rap cough. Okay. <laughs> so funny. All right. Hey, if you're still listening to the podcast, thank you. And if we lost you, it's all right. I understand. Okay, so let's get into suffering a little bit and some of these things. So uh, on a, at a personal note, Trevor and I, just we just finished coming back from campus where we were just um, praying with people on campus. And this is just something that came up in prayer. Um, and we, we were talking about, about um, yeah, just the recognition that everyone is going through something hard and difficult. And everyone has some level of suffering in their lives as a part of our experiences as people and as humans. And so just feeling like inspired by the Lord to ask people about their suffering of if there was something hard that we could pray over them for. So just coming off that is just really, is really moving. And just the recognition that suffering is such a natural part of our life. It's a consequence of sin and of human nature, of our fallen human nature and our fallen interactions with each other and the ego and selfishness and envy and just, yeah. Enter whatever sin you want. It's just the consequence yeah. of falling falling prey to the evil one or just living in the world. So, yeah, Trevor, when it comes to suffering, whether it's based off some of those points or something else that's been coming up for you, what what comes to mind for you with suffering, hardship? <clears throat> so, so something that wasn't really kind of hit on last night, um, but I think is a part of this whole conversation. Because one of the things you were just talking about is that suffering is the result of sin. That's just true universally in terms of the church's teaching. But I think the distinction that was really helpful for me at one point when I was kind of trying to wrestle with this, this question of suffering, was to recognize that there's there's a difference between the suffering that's the result of original sin and the suffering that's the result of personal sin. Mm -hmm. So, for example... The fact that we have disease, illness, natural disaster—you um, know—we're uh, not—we're not—we uh, can die as a result of you know animals or, or, or 
you know, different things in our bodies. Like, like that is actually a result of original sin, right? So when Adam and Eve, who are given stewardship of creation, they were, you know, God gives them dominion in the garden. He, he gives them this, this role in like guiding all of creation towards himself, right? As priests, prophet, and kings. When they fail in that role, the rejection is, is again, not just personal, but it's on behalf of all of humanity. So there, there's a way in which like the world that we enter into and the suffering that we find in the world is always through sin. It just might not be, you know, if you get sick from something, it might not be the result of personal sin. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really helpful for me because once I understood the fact that Adam and Eve had that kind of original stewardship and there was so much that the Lord like allowed them to be entrusted with because he wanted to invite them into his life and, you know, the, the goodness of his life, that the fall was so great. So that's just a quick kind of aside, kind of theological thing that um, for me was actually super helpful for me to be able to like reconcile with suffering when I experienced it that wasn't like a result of my own sin. Like, why am I suffering from this illness or this blah? It's like, well, actually, this is a whole part of like humanity's rejection of God holistically. And that Christ came to redeem even that. And that like in kind of going through different sufferings that come from illness or disaster or things like that, like actually like I get to enter into Christ. When Christ went to the cross, he took all suffering on himself, like every part of this, the human experience of suffering um, and redeems it. And so anyway, mm-hmm. something that it's not easy, I think, to just, I mean, that would be a whole talk on itself. But I think just that little bit um, is something worth meditating upon, like right. to help us, you know, enter into suffering. Yeah, yeah. And that can really be easily confusing around the receiving end of like, God, why would you, why would you make this happen? Or why would you allow that to happen? Right? Like natural disasters, natural, uh, like traumatic, difficult events or the, the passing of a loved one, like in a car crash, things like things like that, that happen or through disease and cancer and, and those kinds of things. Um, yeah, it can be just very natural to to blame God uh, because it feels like He's inflicted something on you in in His harshness or in some kind of vengeance against against us. Or and really, it's like it's just a consequence of of our fallenness, of our uh, original rejection of God. But that the Lord wants to bridge even that gap. He wants to bring healing and flourishing of the whole person in every way. So like in heaven, how there's yeah, there's no more tears and just perfect joy and consolation. Yeah, such a gift. But I think not, you? go ahead. I was gonna say I think something that when I'm when I'm thinking about suffering, a lot of it is the other kind, right? A lot of it is inflicted from person to person. It's a there, there's the hardship that we that we bear in relation to one another. Yeah. It's not just typically neutral things, you know, like all oh, this Excel sheet is is frustrating. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like this person is causing me a lot of distress by their action or inaction or whatever it is. And so, whether you have things like bullying or workplace frustration or harassment, or whether you have uh, friendship that's feels like it's coming to an end or people ignoring one another or uh, anger, resentment in a marriage or whether you have distance from a sibling and coldness and tension. And there's a lot of relational suffering. I think that happened with, you know, breakups and things like that, separations, divorces. I mean, there's just a lot of relational hurt. And so there's even a, a difference between things like a relational hurt and then, you know, deep, you know, relational traumas, you know, then there's things like, a you know, abuse and, and again, things like divorce and things that have longer lasting impacts. So there's just like so many degrees of suffering. And so, yeah, there's a lot of merit to conceptualizing it, giving a lot of big ideas around it. And then there's also a lot of merit to giving, you know, personal kind of testimonies of what it looks like to go through suffering. But let's talk about kind of the the mid-range level of suffering. Let's talk about more like maybe week-to-week suffering, like the kind of the hardships that we have in relation it relationships and work and kind of stressors there of what does it look like to face and also to invite the lord into the kind of week to week suffering not the biggest things in our life and not really insignificant things but mm-hmm. kind of the 
the the average stress and hardship and suffering that most people undergo. Mm-hmm. What would that? What, what might that look like, or what comes to mind for you? Part of it, I think, is first embracing that it's 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 a reality that the Lord promises. So when I think of week to week suffering, in my experience, like there's often times that I just run from it in terms of like I try to escape from it because I can I can easily you know justify like actually this isn't a part of God's plan or I, I don't necessarily go to that length explicitly. But there's just this general feeling of like, this is not how I'm supposed to feel. Whereas I think a, right. a first step in like embracing and really living out this like call to be with the Lord in suffering week to week, for me, means admitting that that actually this might, the Lord might be using this in his plan. He, mm. he is using it in his plan and, mm. so, and that he promised me suffering. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the verse that we've heard a million times from Luke chapter nine, where it says, like, if anyone wishes to come after me, he has to take up his cross daily and follow me mm-hmm. whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself like there's like there's like this sense of like recognizing that suffering will come and in fact like there's just that's universal yeah so i think that's the first step week to week i have to realize that like god allows and will like this suffering is something that he is, is not outside of his plan for me and so i need to like lean into it the second part i think mm-hmm. is like not that sometimes it's not wrong to seek the alleviation of certain sufferings and especially, I'm sure we could dig into this relationally, mm-hmm. if, if the suffering is like, actually, there just needs reconciliation. Mm-hmm. That would heal, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think in the cases where there's not an immediate solution, mm-hmm. um, there's a sense in which like, I have to like, not try to escape like, week to right. week. So the way that I embrace it is, one, I realize it's, it's in God's plan for me. And two, the conclusion then is that I, can't, I need to not escape from it. Because for me, that is what I try to do. You know, it's yeah. like I'm frustrated with something. And so then I complain about, oh, my life sucks. And then I like, you know, go do whatever sort of thing makes me feel comfortable. As opposed to like in the moment, just like not running from suffering. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll, I'm curious your thoughts on this, but I think that this is not unique to our time. This is a universal human experience throughout history. I think what's unique to our time is the, the kind of technological mm-hmm. prowess with which we continue to eliminate, the, to make it where it's possible to try to go weeks without suffering, or at least numb it, you right, know? Right. So I think that that is unique to our time, and I think it's such a trap because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's just so many ways that you can try to numb your suffering mm-hmm. in the world today, like medicinally, technologically, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, um, everything. And so I think, like, that in my experience is something I've had to realize like, man, I have so yes. many things I like yes. turn to to try to numb me yep. from suffering mm-hmm. instead of embracing it and allowing God to, yes. to, to teach me something in it. Yep. That's so good. That's so good. I think that that first point about just recognizing and admitting and acknowledging suffering is just the, the biggest thing, both that it's happening and then both like also the, the nature of suffering that it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's hard and it hurts and it's painful and it's uncomfortable, but that the Lord actually desires to use it for our good if it is happening and wants to help, um, yeah, pref- you know, um, like refine us and purify us and, and, and also a lot, oftentimes heal us. Like there's a lot of times our suffering is, is hitting some kind of area of our life or our mind, of our heart, or of memory or experience that, something that has been unaddressed or unacknowledged and often suffering is unique to us. And yeah. so there's there's a particular instance that might hurt you or that doesn't hurt me or hurts me that doesn't hurt you. And it's, there's, there's like often the Lord is kind of bringing our attention that, hey, there's something here unique to you that I want uh, to heal and to speak into and or for you to let someone else into, you know, to, to confide in a friend or whatever it is. When I think of suffering too, I think of, okay, what are, what are the reactions to suffering? Um, 
you know, we talk about numbing them and the things that we do to escape from it. But what are what are the things that we're trying to numb? What are the things that we're trying to escape? What are the feelings or experiences there? And then and then it's maybe going under that too. So something that comes to mind is sometimes when I when I suffer personally, I begin to get angry, right? And we talked about what what might I do when I get angry is you know go watch something, go listen to something, just mm-hmm. escape somehow. Mm-hmm. So the anger is what I I don't want to feel. But when I go deeper into the anger, what has been coming up for me is why am I getting angry in this situation? Or why am I feeling resentful in this situation? What I've, the word that keeps coming to mind for me the past few weeks is I'm feeling threatened. I'm feeling threatened in some way. I'm either feeling threatened in like my manhood. I'm feeling threatened in my dignity. I'm feeling threatened in my parenting. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling mm-hmm. threatened in my leadership. I'm feeling threatened in my knowledge. I'm feeling threatened in my experience. I'm feeling somehow undermined or um, somehow reduced in some way. But the word threatened keeps kind of mind with anger and resentment for me recently. And so when I think about, okay, what? I start to enter into something. Entering into something is, is typically not just like, God, I'm going through something really hard. Just come into it. That's kind of at the base level. That's what it looks like. But usually like the Lord, as we grow closer to him, like the Lord reveals us to ourselves. And so yep. he, he wants us to know these things. It's not just psychological exercises. It's not just, you know, about um, deep breathing. It's not just about going on. <laughs> it's not just about going on runs. It's not just about yeah. eating healthy. It's not just about like these other even even healthier good ways to eliminate or reduce, you know, symptoms or whatever. But but it's about like, okay, Lord, what what is in me that's feeling threatened, and and where is that coming from? What what about this situation, about this person, is making me feel threatened? And then how can I bring that soft place underneath to you? How can I invite yeah. this feelings of inadequacy or shame mm-hmm. uh, or mm-hmm. worry to you that I maybe I do feel like an imposter, maybe I do feel like I don't really know what I'm doing, and how do I bring that to you authentically? So that's usually what comes to mind. And the, the second thing is kind of, it's it's like the, we, we all know the teaching of, you used, used to be an eye for an eye, and now the Lord says to, to love your enemy. And so we all know that we're supposed to turn the other cheek, that we're supposed to forgive those who hurt us, supposed to love our enemy. And we're like, yeah, that's just awesome. And then the moment anyone makes us frustrated or hurts us, we're like, looking for the scripture about like death to my enemies and, you know, and like, <laughs> Jesus turned yeah. tables. And it's so hard to actually identify, okay, this in this situation, this person is feeling like an enemy to me. Lord, help me to love them and to acknowledge the hurt here and to reconcile if I can and to allow you into some of the underlying feelings or experiences that are perpetuating the feeling of anger or loneliness or shame or whatever mm-hmm. with this other mm-hmm. person. So yeah, those are the two things that kind of mine is like, kind of tracing back getting underneath what's happening and the second is identifying when you're in a situation when you feel like uh, there's a lot of opposition in her and recognize okay this is a situation the lord is asking me to love my enemy it feels like this person is against me Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so those are the two things that kind of mind yeah i think i think ultimately kind of one of the things you're hitting on is the wisdom of the saints always says that self-knowledge is is a key to growth and humility and dependence on god which is which is ultimately the kind of the the path of our christian discipleship like the more you know growing in trust and so when suffering happens like if i can if i can receive it and like trust that god is at work in it oftentimes like as i'm going to him in prayer and it's not like we should ignore the why like i think it's honestly like you see this in many saints they'll, they'll go to prayer and you know, there's some kind of suffering. They're like, God, you know, they're wrestling with the why. And and in that, right, it's kind of what you're saying, is expose that part of their heart that's deeper, that's that's wounded, broken, 
that like is rejecting the suffering because it, it mm-hmm. makes them feel some sort of way about themselves that is not in um, in congruence with their identity as a son or a daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I think suffering right has the potential to unearth and to and to lead to a deeper root of of hurt and and a wound in mm-hmm. our heart that the, that the Lord uses then to heal. Um, yes, totally. Yeah. And and within that too, the other thing I was I was going to say about this like kind of concept of suffering is like the whole goal of our Christian life, if we're stepping back and placing this suffering in the context of just, you know, the big why questions, mm-hmm. is that the Lord wants to return our hearts to a place of trust, right? Like like when you look in the garden, right, that first sin, we've talked about this before, in Catechism 397, it's like that man let the trust in his creator die in his heart. Sin enters the world through this break in trust. Mm-hmm. And Jesus takes on human flesh to live out this trust perfectly and in, in, in the human experience, in the midst of the sin and the suffering. He gives himself perfectly to the Father in complete trust to the end. And so then in the resurrection, like it's actually that all of these consequences of sin have been, have been you know, kind of beaten. They've been defeated by Christ's complete identification with human suffering and trust in it, leading him to new life, to the resurrection. So it's Christ taking on all of our suffering and the weight of sin, living that out with complete trust and offering himself as a gift to the Father that leads to the resurrection, mm-hmm. that leads to like the new life. And so I think if we can frame like, man, if I can trust God in the suffering, like he brings new life out of it for me, for my soul, for the souls of those around me that I'm offering it for. Like when I can endure suffering, again, not that like it's this perfect like, oh, it's all good. But like, you know, as you're wrestling with it, but like trusting that God is like at work in it somehow, then I'm actually like not only like am I, um, you know, finding a way to cope, but more than that, I'm like, I'm really redeeming the, the, the heart of who I was made to be. And I'm getting to unite that to Christ's sufferings on the cross as St. Paul says in Colossians, he says, you know, I make up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions in my flesh. So Colossians 124. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think, I think that being able to look at suffering as a way of like, ultimately, if we embrace it, it's the Lord restoring us to who we were made to be. All right. So good. Which is really hard. <laughs> Just, yeah. I mean, to preface, I've, you know, if you lived that perfectly, you wouldn't be sinning. Right. And so, so there's a reality in which, like, obviously I'm sitting here as a, a complete hypocrite. But I think it's, like, it doesn't mean that we can't speak to this mystery and yeah. it's, like, an invitation even yeah. as we, like, struggle to right. do it in our right. own life. Definitely. You know? Definitely. And you know that I you know that I always bring it back to, to the prodigal son. But the sequel. <clears throat> there's something here, what, what you're saying of, like, what does what what our experience look like versus, like, what's the invitation? And so you have the, you have the prodigal son who uh, undergoes suffering because of... Um, you know, some kind of greed or, or uh, curiosity or whatever. So he leaves the house, then he falls into further sin and suffering because he has excess and is lost in there and then an absence of all the good things that he has uh, and all the things that he's enjoying and he finds himself in poverty and want. And then in the midst of his suffering, he returns back home. So he, the suffering for him is a meeting place with God, which is often is. And it's meant to be a meeting place with God. It's not something that he's waiting for us to conquer suffering and hardship. And then finally, we're good enough to meet him. It's like the Lord waits outside of the tomb of Lazarus. And that's where he meets him, right? The the Lord meets the woman who's caught in adultery in the middle of the courtyard, like in her biggest moment of shame and hardship. The Lord is waiting for us in the moments of intense and hard and difficult, isolating suffering. And so that's where the prodigal son finds himself. The older son finds himself in a different kind of suffering, like an internal suffering, where the, where the prodigal son had the external, right, of, uh, having excess, then having absence, being hungry. This inter- uh, the uh, older son finds himself in internal suffering of these, these mental kind of uh, vicious cycles of like, 
I work endlessly for you and you're like, yeah, you never give me anything. But then the son of yours comes back after swallowing up all the inheritance with prostitution and for him, you give everything. So he's like, he's in his head and he has all of these stories and narratives and prejudices against his brother and father. And so in, internally he's in anguish, whereas the, the son, the younger son was externally in anguish and suffering. And for him, like the, the father also goes out to him where he is. It doesn't make him, you know, overcome the suffering and mental anguish, but he comes to him out into the field and he hears about him and he comes to him and he invites him, says, everything that I have is yours. Yeah. And so what the younger son escapes into the world, the older son endures mentally, internally, but then the father shows that the healthy balance of suffering is an internal and an external, right? He, he lives out and um, externally towards his sons and he leaves and he runs towards them. But internally, he's also like received them and loves them and cares for them. So he has this healthy balance of what it looks like to embrace suffering yeah. well. Yeah. So it's good. All right. I've, you go ahead. Last thought. One, one last it. thought I wanted to share is just that I don't think it's bad to seek um, healing for suffering. Um, like I'm not, I don't think the, the conclusion of this is like never take medicine, you know, never like, right. like I, I think obviously in, like, like Alex said in the beginning in heaven, there will be no more tears, you know, we'll be united with our resurrected bodies. Like, like there's a real sense of a promise of, of a cessation of suffering. And so in as much as that's true of, of the life with Christ eternally, like it's not like it is wrong or even like that it's sometimes it's good to pray and to fast for a, a relief of different sufferings, you know, for mm. the healing of, you know, illness or the re- resolution of hunger or, or all these things. I think it's, it's like good or even like the relationships, you know, it's like good. But like I think to frame that in the context of like even as I'm asking for this, Lord, if you're allowing it for me, even still, like right. I trust then that I'm that that in your divine providence yes. somehow this is where you're good. So yes. wanted to quickly just throw that in. Not to say that we shouldn't pray for yes. healing and you know resolution yes. of suffering, but just that when it persists, that there's a way in which we can embrace the Lord yes. wholeheartedly. And like it. I, the trust of I know you're going to work this out for my good, whether it's now in this way or whether it's further down the road. Right. Yeah, right. it's so good. Yeah. All right, boys and girls, men and women, another week of the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.